Please open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll be reading the chapter in its entirety. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifices and offering, and burnt offerings, and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, There is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our own bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us provoke one another to provoke, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. 
He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and had counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and had done despite under the Spirit of grace? For we, for we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and that and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Amen. I pray that the Lord will show to the believing sinner in the pew what has been of great comfort to the believing sinner behind the pulpit. The blessed gospel contained there in verse 18. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Beloved, this is the blessed reality of the gospel. The blessed conclusion that the apostle makes to these believing Hebrews. There is a remission for, of our sins, indeed a forgiveness, deliverance from all our sins. The apostle would have God's people to rejoice in this blessed truth, a truth founded upon the immutable counsel and oath of God's own covenant promise. Beloved, our Lord tells us through the apostle John that his promises cannot be broken. And so the apostle quotes the inspired language of God's own word to press upon the believing eyes and ears of his readers the conclusion concerning Christ crucified. And what is that blessed conclusion? Look there in verse 14. By one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Perfected how? Perfected through the precious fount of Christ's sin-atoning blood. And for who is this done, this perfecting forever? For them that are sanctified. That is, those that the Father has set apart those that the Father arranged to give the Son of God before the foundation of the world. And so the Son, in covenant agreement, engages on their behalf to perfect them once for all through the sacrifice of himself, accomplishing salvation for them that believe on Christ, for those who are baptized by his Spirit, indeed, as many as were ordained to eternal life. 
And so the apostle immediately shows us that this is the fulfillment of God's own word, which cannot be broken, by quoting the prophet Jeremiah in verse 16. He he writes here, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31. This is where the apostle is quoting from when he refers to the Holy Spirit speaking on these things. Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning there in verse 31. God's word declares here in Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning there in verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. The apostle concludes in verse 18. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So what does the apostle apostle mean by these words? Very simply this, beloved, the expiation of all our sins by the one sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are forgiven, actually and really delivered by the one sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me see if I can help you with the language that Paul is using here. Now, this is going to sound overly simplistic, but that's my aim. I don't want to be eloquent. I don't want to be sophisticated. Rather, I want to be understood. In verse 18, the apostle is writing something akin to this. When something is done, there's nothing more to do. When something is done, there is nothing more to do. And where remission of sin is, there is no more need for another offering. As the one offering from Christ indeed has taken away all our sins. Beloved, having been renewed in the Spirit by the power and grace of God in Christ, therefore there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And what does this mean? That there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus? Very blessedly this, beloved, We have been delivered from the curse of God's law, which we have broken. For where there is remission of sin, we no longer need to bring before God a sin 
atoning sacrifice. Beloved, as the apostle writes elsewhere, our heavenly father spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. So therefore, who shall or who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Jesus paid it all. And through him, it is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Look again there at verse 18 in Hebrews chapter 10 and mark those blessed words. God give you his grace and power to rejoice in the good news contained here, that where remission of sin is, there is no more offering for sin. The Paul The Apostle Paul writes it this way. Now, where remission of these is, and he's referring to sin and iniquity, there is no more offering for sin. My friend, do you understand what God the Holy Spirit is saying here to believing sinners? Beloved, the sin-atoning, bloody death of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross has made an end of sins. Indeed, has made for us a reconciliation for iniquity and has brought in everlasting righteousness. Those are the words of God's prophet Daniel, but I can say the very same thing the Apostle Paul said. Those are the very words of God, the Holy Spirit. That through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord has brought in an everlasting righteousness for his people. Beloved, our Lord by himself purged our sins and now sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Sinner, you who believe by God's grace and power in Christ, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Remission of sins and iniquities, forgiveness of sins and iniquities, Deliverance of sins and iniquities means they are put away, purged to be remembered no more. A full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice, indeed expiation and satisfaction for the sins of all his people. So thoroughly and perfectly complete that no other propitiation needs to be offered and no other offering may be offered. Look back there in the next chapter earlier, chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9, and and look there in verse 26. God's word declares here through the apostle, apostle's pen, for then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Beloved, our Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest, has once for all appeared to put away sin. The Lord Jesus Christ has put away our sin by the sacrifice of himself and thereby has put an end to sin offerings. For where there is remission of sin, the apostle concludes there is no more offering for sin. Zachariah's testimony of Christ has been fulfilled in these last days. Indeed, the fountain has been opened to the house of David 
and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Our Lord and God has purchased the church with his own blood. And just as the fountain of Christ's sin-cleansing blood was declared in the Old Testament by the prophet Zechariah, so too it is declared in the New Testament by his brother John that, that, that through that precious fountain, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Beloved, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The Apostle John was a Hebrew, (laughs) and he was rejoicing that his Lord and Savior, indeed our Lord and Savior, did not merely come to give his life a ransom for his elect amongst the Jews, but also the Gentiles from every nation. Friend, how can you know if it was shed for you, this precious blood that we just heard the Apostle John writing of? Our portion in Hebrews repeats for us the same things that Paul wrote to the Romans, that Christ died for the ungodly, and further, that God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. (coughs) Beloved sinner, look there in verse 17 again, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. And if indeed you are a sinner, you will have an interest in his blood, whereby God may now say, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. What a gospel, that God justifies the ungodly. That is, God can declare you innocent in his sight, indeed justified in his sight, And he can do this without damaging his holy character and his holy word, because our heavenly Father hath set forth Christ Jesus to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Indeed, God has set forth Christ Jesus to be a propitiation, that is, atonement, through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. Beloved, believing sinner, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, we have been made perfect, (laughs) complete. Beloved, our Heavenly Father has made the Lord Jesus Christ his beloved, holy, harmless, undefiled Son to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And what does this mean? The very same thing our portion shows us, that God justifies the ungodly. Does someone say that they don't see that in Hebrews chapter 10? Well, who are the ungodly but those who have a multitude of sins and iniquities to be forgiven, indeed to be forgotten? As God's own word sets forth here in verse 18, they who are perfected forever have said of their sins and iniquities that they are to be remembered No more. Our Lord does not say that he came to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He declares, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now these words, sins and iniquities, do not speak of some sins or a few sins. Rather, the expression infers all sins, great and grievous transgressions, sins of all kinds, 
and the many filthy iniquities of trying to pass off your own filthy rag as a means of your acceptance before God. Beloved, I cannot emphasize enough what is contained in that expression in our text here, sins and iniquities. How does God's own word describe our sins and iniquities? Left to ourselves, they are likened to a bruise that is incurable or a wound that is grievous or sorrow that is incurable for the multitude of iniquity. Indeed, my friend, if God should leave you to yourself, there is no remedy. Indeed, no remission of these things. Incurable we are, left apart from the grace and power of God in Christ. Oh, for grace to hear and believe it. Through the one offering of the Son of God, all our sins are acquitted freely and completely. They are put away by the sacrifice of the Son of God. And what is the conclusion? What would our good, ready-to-forgive, plenteous in mercy God have us to know through His servant Paul? Very simply this. Those who believe on His Son, those who call out to Him, Lord, be propitious. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Indeed, those who beat on their breast, crying out, Lord, be merciful to me, sinner. God would have you to know, beloved, our merciful God would have you to know that their sins and iniquities are remembered no more. Indeed, your sins and iniquities are remembered no more. Verse 17 declares, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Indeed, our Lord is teaching us here regarding his beloved people, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. And beloved, this is all because of what the Lord had done by himself. All this, beloved, is the Lord's doing. From the beginning to the end, he is the captain of our salvation. Indeed, he is the finisher of our salvation. For it is from the Lord's hand that we have received double for all our sin. First, a full acquittal of all our sins through his precious blood, and second, a full acceptance through his perfect righteousness. Look there again in verse 18. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Now to what is the Apostle Paul referring to? What is he saying here with these words? Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. The Apostle is telling us simply this that our Lord has finished the remission of all our sins by his one all-sufficient eternal offering for sin. From Genesis to Revelation, the testimony is the same, Christ and him crucified, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in the chapter before us, we see the same thing that John the Baptist declared, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world that by the one sacrifice of the Lamb of God, who is both the high priest and the offering, indeed the promised Lamb of God, he has by one offering perfected forever them that are sanctified. Beloved, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the offering of his body on the cross, gave his life a ransom to redeem his people. Now look there in verse 11. The apostle writes that every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. 
The apostle would have us to know that under the law dispensation of the Old Testament, every priest stood daily ministering and offering, oftentimes, that is, continually, the same sacrifices which could never take away sins. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. But this man, our Lord, was made flesh, who was made after the seed of Abraham, through the human body that was prepared of God in the womb of a virgin. He came into the world to do in this body the will of God, that is, to present an atonement with which God could be pleased in and take delight in. And this man, our Lord Jesus Christ, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, is sat down on the right hand of God. Paul writes the same thing, albeit he uses words slightly different, but nonetheless it is the same message uh, when he's writing to Timothy. He puts it a little bit differently, but it's the same gospel we're reading here in Hebrews chapter 10. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, with all of God's people, of whom I am chief. He doesn't say of whom I was chief. As a result of what Christ accomplished on our behalf, beloved, sinners he came into the world to save are actually and really saved. He is our atonement. That is, our propitiation for faith in his blood. Keep your place in Hebrews chapter 10 and look over there in Romans chapter 3. <coughs> Pick up reading in verse 24. God's word declares in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And so now, beloved, we have boldness to enter into the holiest, seeing we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens forever. Beloved, his very presence there is our guarantee of our forgiveness and acceptance, seeing he ever maketh intercession for us, and that by the merits of his own sin-atoning blood and on behalf and stead of his people, we are drawn nigh unto God, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, there is now, therefore, a remission of sins freely given. For God can be just and the justifier at the same time of the ungodly who ever looked to the mercy seat of Christ by repenting and believing on the one offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all for the remission of sins. Look there again with me in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. And mark those blessed words there. Once for all. 
through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Beloved, one offering, once made, has perfected his people, and the work of his atonement is forever. We are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And again, in verse 14, the apostle uses again the same repetition of idea, one offering once for all, that by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. The apostle sets forth to our Hebrew brethren this blessed detail of the glorious atonement of our Savior. Indeed, he sets it forth before us this evening. Once, once for all, one offering. These words are repeated again and again in reference to the sin-atoning death of Christ. Once again, look there at verse 18 and see there the blessed conclusion of the Lord's one sacrifice for sin. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Now, previously, the, the apostle at the beginning of this chapter has already shown how ineffectual the animal sacrifices of the law of Moses were by showing that they had to be repeated daily and every year. At the beginning of the chapter, the apostle tells us that the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, that is, that they were representative of Christ and his redemption, but without the actual body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was never any actual accomplishment of the promises they portrayed. And so no remission. So the apostle concludes in the latter part of verse 1 that the shadow of the law can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. That is, those sacrifices could never set the worshipers free from the divine wrath and from a guilty conscience. For then, if that had been the case, the result of these sacrifices would have indeed resulted in remission of those things. The apostle asks in verse 2, would they not have ceased to be offered? And so the apostle postulates, if that were true, God would have put a stop to their offerings. He would have had appointed them to be offered once and then no more, for our Lord does nothing in vain. And so then these sacrifices would have been in vain if the worshipers, once purged, should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices of the Old Testament, there is a remembrance of sins made every year. The day of the, the atonement, which the apostle is referring to in verse 3, there was a sense of sin that still returned to the conscience of the worshipers. And so a fresh confession of sin in order to be reconciled with God had to be made over the head of the sacrifice. And a new atonement was presented to God as though no atonement had been offered before. The very recurrence of this yearly sacrifice showed that it had never taken away sin. And this was evident because there was a repeated offering made for sin. But the apostle would have us to know that now, oh, what a blessed word now. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Beloved, by the one sacrifice for sin, the sacrifice the Lord once made by the sacrifice of himself, there is remission of sins. And to all that believe on the Son of God, 
to all that hear and obey the voice of the Father. This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. God, the righteous judge, says for all ages to the end of time, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. How can this be? On what foundation does this promise rest? Beloved, this promise rests upon the atonement, the propitiation of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Our Lord became such an high priest for us who needeth not daily to offer up sacrifice for sins. For this he did once, once for all, when he offered up himself. He is the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world when once and once only he died to make an atonement on the cross by the sacrifice of himself. What a gospel, beloved. Our high priest brings the sacrifice of himself for sin to lay it on the altar of his deity. And we hear in verse 17 and 18, as as a result of that precious fount on Calvary, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. The apostle brings to mind the very same gospel we hear from the lips of our blessed Redeemer. When he offered up himself, he said with these words, our salvation is sure, our salvation is certain when he declared it is finished. We have his word on it and his word cannot be broken. Beloved believing sinner, your salvation is finished. Amen.